This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 289. This podcast is brought to you by Sore Running. They make performance-led running clothes that help you go faster, more comfortably, and with more protection from the environment. Because it's not Soar's run, it's your run. And their mission is to elevate it. Find out more at SoarRunning.com. That's S-O-A-R Running.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Drip Drop ORS. It's an electrolyte powder developed by a doctor to treat dehydration. Try it before a run, after a workout, or when you need to recover from drinking too much and feel better instantly. Go to dripdrop.com slash MTA to get 20% off any purchase. That's dripdrop.com slash MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we equip you to go the distance. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we bring you a special joint podcast with Olympic runner and podcaster Carrie Tollefson from See Tolly Run. And in the quick tip segment, Angie will explain how to communicate expectations with your running partner before you race together. And of course, you can get all of our back episodes, training plans, and more inside the Academy. Learn what it takes to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, folks. Well, we are still on the road podcasting from our travel trailer, our camper, as we call it, traveling across the great American West. We have been through all kinds of beautiful places. Just give you guys a quick update. We left out from our home in Pennsylvania and drove through Ohio and Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and South Dakota. Angie did a 50K in South Dakota called the Black Hills 50K, which we'll be talking about on a future episode. And then after that, we went through Wyoming and saw the beautiful Devil's Tower Monument in Southeast Wyoming. And now we're in Montana, seeing our friends and family. We're actually in Lewistown, Montana. How's it feel to be back in your old hometown? It's great. I always enjoy being here and, of course, getting to see it with my adult eyes. Um, I just realize what a gorgeous area it is and how privileged I was to be raised here. It is a beautiful area. It's like smack in the middle of Montana. And I think we're surrounded by four or five different mountain ranges. Two days ago, we took the kids down on a pretty uh, grueling hike. They didn't enjoy it as much as we did. (laughs) Uh, It was about 11 and a half miles way up onto a mountain, a place called Crystal Lake. And we hiked back to what's called the Ice Cave. It's pretty famous amongst uh, locals. Of course, you haven't been there for like 20 years. So what was it like going back to see the Ice Cave? Well, it was super enjoyable. I mean, the views up there were gorgeous. The trail was better than I had remembered. And there was still a lot of ice in the ice cave. So that was gratifying to see. Of course, our kids complained a lot, but I just tried to block that out and ignore their their whining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's no easy way to get to it. So yeah, they basically went from zero hiking to 11.2 miles. So yeah. I'm proud of them for making it through. But toward the end, there was a lot of complaining. But then, Angie, you came up with this brilliant strategy, which kept them busy for the last hour. (laughs) Well, a tip I heard before is that if you're trying to talk to kids... Don't ask them about things like school or their grades. or They usually don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. Ask them about something that they're interested or passionate about. And our kids happen to love uh, the video game Fortnite, which I'm sure if you're a parent, you've unfortunately heard of this game. (laughs) Every parent's going, oh, yeah. (laughs) So all three of our boys are very into it. So I just basically asked them questions about the game and just, you know, dove down into the minutiae, you know, had him describe (laughs) characters and worlds and skins and, you know, how they collected points and all that stuff, you know, even though I have like zero interest in it, basically. But they were just, you know, so happy to share their knowledge. And it kept them just chattering happily (laughs) down the trail. Yeah, they were in the midst of that. And I looked at you and you kind of looked at me like, bingo. (laughs) (laughs) This is working better than bribing them with ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go, folks, a little tip if you want to get through a hike with your kids. I'm sure your kids know what Fortnite is, so try it out. Something else that we forgot to mention on our last episode is right after you finished the Charlevoix Marathon, you signed up for another marathon. That's right. I now have my Hawaii Marathon on the calendar. I'm going to be doing the Revel Coolia Marathon, and that happens on the Big Island in January, January 18th, 2020. So yeah, I've been wanting to do one of these Revel events. Very excited about it. Of course, excited to go to Hawaii and to get closer to being done with my 50 states. And a little bit of running news here. The uh, Western States 100-miler prestigious ultramarathon here in the U.S. 
just concluded not too long ago, right? Yeah, that's right. In the women's race, Claire Gallagher was first with a time of 17 hours, 23 minutes, and 25 seconds. And she ran the second fastest time in women's history. So a very fast day for runners out there. And then Jim Walmsley came in first for the men in 14 hours, 9 minutes, and 28 seconds. And he reset his own 2018 course record by over 20 minutes. What an amazing athlete. And I think when he won it last year, it was like 100 degree temps. Yeah, I think one thing that worked in their favor this year was a little bit cooler. Mm -hmm. Another big race that's out there is called the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta. It's put on by the Atlantic Track Club. And they celebrated their 50th running of the Peachtree Road Race. It's a 10K. And course records were broken in every division. Each of the racers who broke a course record received a $50,000 bonus. Wow. And this was the largest ever given out for this race. So very exciting. I got to see a few clips of it on TV. And, of course, those athletes were just trucking along. Yeah. Can you imagine running a 10K and winning 50 grand? That would be an epic day, wouldn't it? <laughs> Certainly would. All right, so what's going on out there in MTA land? Angie, we always love to give props to folks who are doing great things in their running. Yeah, that's right. We'd like to say congrats to Academy member Gretchen. She recently ran a 10K, and she posted in the group and says, Who says you can't PR at age 50? That's right. And this note came in from Juliet. She says, Hi, Angie and Trevor. I just wanted to say I listened to your podcast this week and really enjoyed it. I have been feeling bad about my running and my recent results in general lately. It was good to know that sometimes there's down periods and they're normal because I've not been feeling very positive and normal about them lately. I've honestly been avoiding all running podcasts lately. So thank you for keeping the inspiration. And I'm guessing she's referring to the Charlevoix Marathon recap where, of course, Angie, you did a great job at that race. You BQ'd, but we kind of went back through the last three years or so and, and talked about how you were in a bit of a slump, right? And just didn't feel the motivation like you used to. And we were just trying to, you know, lay it all out for listeners and show that, hey, sometimes that happens. Right. So if you're listening to this and you've been in a running slump or you feel like you're coming out of a running slump, it's definitely normal. You know, you will get through it if you just stay the course and be willing to try some new things. And this note comes from Luke in the Academy. He says, I'm absolutely overjoyed on this 4th of July. I ran a 2.3-mile sprint race this morning and came in fifth place overall and first place in my age group with a time of 12 minutes and 44 seconds. I felt absolutely amazing during and after the race. I can't wait to see what the rest of the summer has in store for me. All right. Well, big congrats, Luke, on the first place finish in your age group. He sounds like a pretty fast guy. Uh, super congrats to all you out there taking action in your health and running and we hope you enjoy this episode it's going to be a podcast meetup of sorts with fellow podcaster carrie tollefson from the see tolly run podcast you might have heard of her show carrie is a neat lady she's actually a middle distance runner from minnesota she uh, represented the u.s in the 2004 olympic games in athens greece and, of course, she ran the 1,500 meters. Carrie does regular media coverage for the New York City Marathon and the New York City Half. She's also done commentary for Twin Cities, for the Boston Marathon, and Tokyo Marathon. So, basically, we recorded this conversation in June before we left on our big trip out west. Throughout the years, it's been fun to meet and collaborate with other podcasters. And in this conversation, we kept the agenda kind of loose. We just wanted to hang out on air and have a fun conversation. But we ended up talking about some very important topics, things that we get asked about a lot, like pregnancy and running. And we also talk about time management. And Carrie shares her thoughts about her friend and fellow elite runner from Minnesota, Gabriella Grunwald, Gabe Grunwald, as she was known, who uh, passed away after losing a battle with cancer on uh, June 11th. And then finally, we'll also share some of our top picks for small town races. I'll play that for you right now. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Now that I'm well on my way, well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Okay, we are here for an epic podcast meetup with C. Tolly Run and MTA. Carrie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited for this. I've only done one shared podcast, so this is going to be interesting. It'll be super cool because you guys are veterans at this, so we'll make it work. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it'll work smoothly, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's just like racing. Does it ever go smooth? I mean, you got to be fly by the seat of your pants kind of people, and that's what we'll do today. <laughs> that's right. How did you get started in podcasting? So I had a YouTube channel uh, right after I had my first baby. And so right after Ruby was born in April of 2010, 
I started a YouTube channel called See Tolly Run. And we had that, I think, up until it's been about two and a half years that we we dropped the YouTube channel. We haven't dropped it, but we put it on hold and we started the podcast because the podcasting just started to boom so much. And videos are a lot of work and a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, editing for my my editor, Tim, who still does the editing of our podcast. So it's been a fun journey. I miss the YouTube channel, to be honest. I loved being on camera and, and letting the video kind of be my oops and my sorry and not having to worry so much because people could see my smile and my laugh through it. But um, I've also loved the podcast because you get to dig deep a little little bit more so with your, your subjects. So I'm interested how you became a runner because I know a lot of people find it inspiring for elite athletes to hear kind of how they started and you know what their mindset was in the beginning and, and just some of your running journey. I think that'd be really fun to hear about. Yeah, you know, I started running when I was 12. And I was able to be on a team with my middle. So I have two older sisters and I always say my middle sister and sometimes it sounds like she's younger, but I'm the baby. And um, so I got to follow in the footsteps of these two highly successful driven women. And my middle sister was on the team still. So she was four and a half years older than me. And I could be on the varsity team in this small town in rural Minnesota. We could participate together. So that's why I started the sport. And I fell in love with it right away. I didn't know so much about the training. I just was kind of following everyone else's lead. But then we, I got hooked early. You know, I liked the feeling of trying to beat people and trying to beat my time and um, get to be there with my sister. And it was only for one year that she was on the team, which taught me so much about not being afraid. And I beat her in my very first race. And she, <laughs> I was so scared because Cammy could give me some pretty hard tickle tantrums. And, you know, she could, she could put it to me when I needed to or when I needed it. And um, I remember coming home that night and she was so thrilled for me. And I was scared, you know, I didn't know how she would act. And she was thrilled. And from there on, it's just been kind of a family endeavor. We all love to run, we love to play sports. But yeah, I'm 42 now, so 30 years in this sport, and I still love it. I don't love to go to the track and really have those gut-wrenching workouts anymore, but (laughs) I like to do other things still in this sport. So it's it's been a great journey. So what does your running look like now? I laugh a lot. Like, I'm not on Strava, but I probably should because so many people think I'm training a lot, and I probably run, on average, 20 25 miles a week. I probably run four to five times a week consistently, but I do a lot of 20 minute runs. They are my staple in life. And I run them fast. Mm. Like the other day, I ran the last mile in 545, you know, so I still can kind of crank it up. And it wasn't like I had that planned. It was just like, I got to get home because I have a call or whatever. So I was running hard thinking, why am I so labored? And then I got home and threw my hands in the air. I was like, Oh, I nailed a sub six. So um, (laughs) it's just kind of that kind of training right now. Although I haven't like technically announced, but I think I've announced it four or five times now that I am going to run Twin Cities this year with the hopes of running under three hours. And whether it's 250 or 259.59, I don't care. It'll be very (laughs) loose training. But, you know, hopefully the talent that I once had will still shine through and I don't have to train super, super hard for it. I can just have fun with it. Now, you ran your first marathon at the Twin Cities, is that correct? And I think I read that it was just four months after you had a baby. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, I've, I've run a marathon four months after I had a baby, and, and mine was not a 302 marathon. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> well, let me just say it might have been kind of a similar experience. I don't know. Um, I was on pace to run 250 until I got to uh, 21 miles. And then oh, it, yeah. you can do the math. It was ugly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I decided to do that because I thought, well, this will be fun. My entire family was running something at Twin Cities that weekend. And I just thought, well, I'm going to give myself the four weeks off that I always did. I don't know how about you or what you did for your three babies and your recovery, but I always took four weeks, roughly. Might have been three and a half or four and a half, but right around four weeks after having a baby. And I thought, you know, I'll just start jogging, give myself 10 weeks, and we'll see what happens. And, you know, I got pretty fit. I did my long runs fairly easy, but I did progressions usually. So I got down sometimes to 6.15 pace. And the race itself went really well up until 21, like I said. But I think more so it wasn't necessarily a training that I didn't have. It was that I was still feeding a baby, and I had done some media early in the morning and had eaten way far out from the start of the gun. And um, I wasn't very consistent about eating throughout the race. I was more waving to the crowd (laughs) rather than remembering at the time I had some 
some shot blocks and generation you can and I didn't really know how to use the gen you can at the time so I was just sipping on it here and there and I threw my my bottle at one point so I was just starting to take water it was a mess but <laughs> it was awesome you know like just to have that journey of what 26.2 miles is like and I had the sympathy cheering along the course like I can really remember people so excited like as I was flying by them pumping me up go Carrie you got this you're doing great and then they all started to pass me back (laughs) and it was like oh Carrie good job you got this like in a totally different tone don't quit (laughs) you got this don't you and love seeing me walk like, I think that was the best for them. They're like, oh, yeah, she's she's feeling it. And they kind of chuckled, I think, as they went by. Yeah. I <laughs> so, just passed an Olympian. Yeah. And she's walking and uh, hurting. So it was it was a journey. Like I said, it was an experience. But I'm hoping this time around, I don't have quite the same experience and that I'm a little, little bit more um, patient in the first part of it. And you probably won't be as sleep deprived having an infant, breastfeeding, all that. I mean, that's just a huge challenge. <laughs> yeah. How did you come back from your pregnancies? Because you have three boys, you guys, right? Yeah. My our youngest is eight, so that was that was the one that I did a marathon for four months afterwards. I would be chomping at the bit by about two weeks, so I would get out there and power walk. But I had gained quite a bit of weight with the pregnancy, and my core muscles were just not where they needed to be. So yeah, I mean, I got in my long runs, but I did the Little Rock Marathon, and it was very hilly the second oh, half. Yeah, and so it was pretty much a walk fest after mile thirteen. <laughs> And I mean, I think you can laugh from that though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just happy to be back out there too. <laughs> no, I think you planned that strategically. You said, I'm going to run the first half and then walk the second half because it's hilly. I've got mom brain. I don't, I don't remember what my strategy was. <laughs> Were you out there with her? I was doing the half. He was doing okay. his first half marathon. Yeah, that was my first oh, half marathon. So he here. had, yeah. <laughs> Little Rock Half Marathon. So you guys, you waited for your, your babies to, well, Trevor, you did, to do your first long one. I didn't get into long distance running until 2007, and so then trained for my first marathon in 2008. Okay, ran that, did a couple marathons, and had another baby. And yeah, I was—I feel like I'm a little bit later to the sport. It was more mm-hmm. like mid 20s before I really fell in love with long distance running. And then Trevor was even after that, just watching me and kind of seeing what I was doing. And yeah, I was a total non-runner. So Angie got into it. I had the idea after she did her first two marathons, I had the idea, we should start a podcast about marathon training. She's also a registered nurse. I said, you could probably, you know, share your experience and help a lot of people. And she said, what's a podcast? Because this is (laughs) like... And who will listen to us? (laughs) Yeah. This is like 09, right? So the other deal was that she said, we'll start this, we'll give it a try, but you have to start running. So in the early shows, we started in February of 2010. Uh Uh-huh. I was just building up to be able to run like a mile comfortably. And we kind of like took the listeners through that, that yeah. evolution. And a lot of people started listening who were kind of like me yeah, and new to running and, but then fell in love with it and built up to the first half marathon, first marathon. So now I've since I've done 17, we just did the London marathon at the time of this recording. It's our most recent and Angie has done... 57. 57. You guys are awesome. I love it. So like on this podcast, you guys, when you're listening, we don't get to show you our faces, but you should just see how cute these two are. Like you two just look at each other and Angie, you just beam when you look over at Trevor. I just love it. And I love your journey, like reading about you two, having this whole coaching business and then Trevor being on the technical side and doing the podcasting. And it's just like such a great team. And, you know, people love you guys. It's so cool that we have this run thing in common. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort. And and you know, the importance of having a team behind you and whatever you do, I'm sure, you know, your family is on your team. Mm-hmm. And we really, you can't do it alone. And um, even if you try to go it alone, it's better with people. It's better with family, with friends, with running partners. And yeah, just the listeners really make it worthwhile because we get to be in contact with so many amazing people, so many inspiring stories out there of people who are just starting to run to those who have overcome so much, to those who are doing ultra marathons. So just a huge, huge uh, variety of people in the community. Like I'm sure you've noticed with your listeners. Yeah. But what a combo you have being a coach and a nurse. Like, are you still in the hospital? No, I've been out of the hospital setting for a few years. I kind of got to the point where I enjoyed what I did. I really enjoyed the patients that I had, but I would see a lot of people come in 
over and over again. We call them frequent flyers in the hospital setting. You know, they have these chronic health conditions, and unfortunately, for a variety of circumstances, they're just not able to get to that level of health and wellness. And, you know, you come in, you patch them up, you know, they're on a few more medications, you send them home. They come back, you know, they're sicker, and it's just kind of this this really sad cycle. And I thought, I really want to work with people who are motivated and are, are willing to, like, take that next step to improve their health and their wellness. So, you know, it's been really inspiring to work with runners because runners mm-hmm. are some of the most positive and driven and just open-hearted people that you'll ever meet. So it's been really yeah. neat to transition from that setting to being able to work with people and, and seeing them take their health to the next level, you know, yeah. through this thing we call running. So. I know. How do you two have, like, how do you keep that dynamic of, like, the fun? Because do you still coach Trevor? I don't coach him at all. Because you coached him, though, like, for his first race, right? Yeah, he would follow training plans that I would set out. But, I, you know, he's kind of like... I'm not a good follower. He's, you know, does, like, 50% of the... It would make her look bad as a coach, too. <laughs> oh, If she I had see. me. So I, I don't see. claim him, no. If she had me as a client. How long have you guys been married? 16 years today, actually. Oh, my yeah. gosh. What are we doing? Why are we doing a podcast on your anniversary? But thank you for letting me be, you know, you know, your date. Yes, well, that's awesome. Exactly. Congratulations, you guys. That's awesome. You know, maybe we could circle back for a moment because we do get questions from women who are wondering: Is it safe to run while you're pregnant? Mm. How soon after you have the baby? Um, how soon up to the day of you know birth? So both of you ladies have gone through that. What are some tips that we could share with, with listeners who are wondering about this? Yeah, Carrie, you start off. Well, you know, for me, I was pretty lucky throughout my pregnancies. I don't know about you, Angie, but I was able to train all the way until I had my baby, right up until the delivery date. Now, with Everett, our middle one, he came 10 days late, and he gave me a little issue with my sciatic nerve. So I think I kind of went every other day the last week trying to run and usually ended in a walk. But I ran those 40 weeks for all three of them. And I would have to say I didn't necessarily, I always think of it as each trimester, I dropped a third in mileage each week. So, you know, by the end, I was running 15, 20 miles a week. And that was on three to four runs. But I ran them decent. And then the days that I didn't take off fully, because I like days off, believe me, I am a girl that today I haven't run and I probably won't run. And I enjoy that. But I lifted. So I think that lifting for uh, pregnancy really helps shed that weight. At least for me, I dropped my weight pretty fast. You know, I carried a little bit, maybe five or six pounds for a while that I couldn't just get off. But I gained up to 30, I think seven pounds the on my last pregnancy. So I would have to say, yeah, just keeping active. If you can run, great. I didn't run as much as I would have loved to, but I was able to do it the entire time. And then I lifted a lot. So pregnancy was good to me. How about you, Angie? My pregnancies, I mean, they were healthy pregnancies, but I didn't really enjoy being pregnant. Yeah, that's a <laughs> it lot. Was like, I just felt, does, does anybody? I just I felt heavy and, you know, everything was more challenging. With my third pregnancy, I had a lot of round ligament pain. So in the groin, you know, your, your ligaments are starting to stretch. And so about 20 weeks... I couldn't run anymore. It was just too painful. Okay. So that was hard mentally. It's like, oh, I want to run. You know, I want to keep this up through the pregnancy. So I had to mm-hmm. switch to doing low-impact cross-training. And like you said, I really hit the, this strength training mm-hmm. throughout the rest of my pregnancy. also did yoga, you know, modifying a few positions. So I really, for my personality, for my sanity, I have to be exercising and doing something. So I think that's important just to stay active. It's not like as a pregnant woman, you know, you have to limit yourself. Um, You just have to listen to your body. And the day before I delivered our third son, I was in the weight room, like squatting, you know. At the YMCA. And of course Uh I get comments like, I hope you don't have that baby here, you know. You're like, thank you so much. (laughs) Not planning on it. (laughs) That wouldn't be fun. No. No. So, and I think, you know, it depends on how the labor and delivery goes for each woman. That's going to be different. Um, mm-hmm. But just having that mindset of there's there's no rush to get back, you know, just enjoy that new time with your baby. Try to get as much rest and sleep as possible. Be kind to your body. And then when it kind of tells you, 
you know, it's time to do a little bit more. Start out by walking and getting back so you can walk a brisk pace for 30 minutes without your body complaining. And then just start kind of gradually easing back into your running routine, realizing that your core muscles, your abdominal muscles have been totally stretched out. It's going to take a few months for them to bounce back. So to be patient and not try to do too much because I see too many women, you know, hitting the gym too hard after they have a baby and having that abdominal separation. And, And there can be a lot of like pelvic floor issues if you try to rush things and everything. So it's all about realizing that, you know, it takes over nine months to grow a baby and it's probably going to take at least that long to get back Mm -hmm. to where your body is, is feeling quote unquote normal, whatever that is. Yeah. With my first baby, I was pulling sleds in the weight room. I was doing, um, the underwater treadmill, which I highly recommend for people. Like I didn't get on the Alter G very often. I ran on it a little bit. It was pretty new back in 2010 when I was first pregnant. But then I would have to say that underwater treadmill was amazing. Like I did killer workouts and sprints and, you know, VO2 max stuff and whatever. I got my heart rate up pretty high without the impact and I felt awesome. But then as the more babies I had and the busier I became, and I wasn't a full-time athlete for that many years after having Ruby, um, I didn't have the time. So, but The underwater treadmill is amazing for those of you who can't run or the weight is just too much. That was really fun. But also I think the Alter-G has really been nice for for people if you want that running motion, right? Like the elliptical is close. The zero runner is close. But yeah, it was fun. We've never done an underwater treadmill. Can you describe what that is? Yeah, I've never seen one before. Oh my gosh, they're so cool. If you guys, you should look it up because I think even just as coaches and, you know, as a nurse, you would love it like... My mother-in-law tried to get her on it because she was having some knee issues before she had it replaced. And anyone that has, you know, a weight issue or if they're coming back from surgery, um, for me it was pregnancy. I had stress fractures. That's how I found it because I had stress fractures. And then I've seen wheelchair athletes get in there. But they're basically, they can lower or raise the water to take off or to add weight to you. So it's just like what the Alter-G is, except it's in water. And then the tread actually moves under your feet. And so Hmm. I I had an actual pair of shoes that they gave me, like an aqua sock type looking shoe. (laughs) Remember those back in the day? Yeah. But um, some people would just wear an old pair of running shoes and go for it. But yeah, the jets come against you. So then if you want to really sprint hard, they, you know, make the jets faster against you. So it's hard. It's cool. Wow. There's some videos on uh, See Tally Run, the old YouTube channel, if you want to check it out. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I'd love to try it. Yeah, you would love it. I mean, it's hard. It's different. But you get out of there like, you know, know, your heart has worked hard, but your muscles feel good. So, yeah, listeners, if you have one of those in your area, go check it out or, you know, definitely try out an Alter-G if that's available to you, too. If you have just the basic gym, the ellipticals are great, or even, you know, stationary bike cycling, that's also an option too, to get some good cardio in, in a low impact way. So I think people just need to, when you're pregnant or if you're coming back from an injury, guys and gals, keep trying other things and see how you feel coming off of those machines or off of that workout. Because, you know, even when I was injured, I was on the elliptical a lot and because I thought it was non-impact, it was fine. Well, I usually came off limping from it. So hmm. I was injured probably just as long if I had tried to run through it. So you just have to really be smart about what your body's telling you. And then along with pregnancy, it's the same way. You know, if your back hurts the next day, well, maybe you're, it's too much for that. You know, maybe the jogging is too much. So try something else. Or maybe you can only run two times a week. But it doesn't have to mean that you have to give it up 100%. Just got to play right. with it a little bit. Yeah, I've heard it said before when you're pregnant, you train for two, not for you. So it's kind of a time to, you know, step back from your own expectations and just kind of be on that journey, that new and exciting (laughs) growing of life. So, yeah. Is it advisable to run a marathon while pregnant? I always look at those ladies that do it and I think more power to you because if they feel good doing it and I think medically they are okay to do it then why not but for me I don't think I would have liked to have done that (laughs) that's why I liked the 20 to 30 minute runs because I felt good the next day doing it so I don't know did you do real long stuff I mean, you said you didn't run the whole time, so you wouldn't have done yeah, a marathon. Yeah, for that third pregnancy, I didn't. I had to stop at 20 weeks. Um, we did have another pregnancy after that one, oh. 
um, that we lost the baby at about 19 weeks. So I was running, you know, during that time and everything. But I typically tell people that, you know, don't do something new that you've never done before during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't do your first marathon. Don't do your first marathon, you know, if you're probably at least, you know, in your second trimester or after, unless you're planning on incorporating a lot of like walking and listening to your body, making sure you're not overheating. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't recommend someone to race a marathon, obviously, but to go the distance, it just depends on your fitness level and obviously what your Mm -hmm. healthcare professional has advised you to do as well. Yeah, I think I ran like, I don't know, 10 or 12 mile run pretty fast up until about seven months with Ruby, my first one. But I just didn't love it. I was like, why am I doing this? It's not enjoyable. (laughs) I had a heartburn from having Chinese food the night before. We had gone to a really good Chinese restaurant. You know, I just like you could just fake your way through like you can when you're not pregnant. Like you could fake your way through having a little heartburn. You just suck it up and keep going. It doesn't happen that way with the pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) So another question that we get a lot from people in our audience is how do you find time to fit it all in the training that you want to do plus family responsibilities, your career? How do you do it, Carrie? How do you fit it all in? Well, that was my one of my questions for you guys too. (laughs) Um, Okay. I well, you and I were texting or you know skype messaging before this and you saw that i was a half an hour early because i'm like all (laughs) over the place i thought that was a secret just be half an hour early to everything yeah well it is kind of i you know the gun goes off and you don't want to miss that so that's what i always like kind of live my life like but i don't know how i do it to be honest and i'm sure you guys the same way like uh, i have a just a rolodex do we even say that anymore i think of my dad he's a (laughs) lawyer and he used to have that rolodex on his um uh, desk all the time yes you know, I think um, it does take a lot. I have so many people that are willing to help. I have some great babysitters and nannies. My family is here, Charlie's family. Um, but I just love what I do, and I think that makes it easy. Even though sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, those celebrities that check themselves into the hospital just to <laughs> unwind. I am not a celebrity, but I'm like, I kind of want to do that. Like, I want to go and just let, you know, someone like Angie take care of me. Um, but there are times where I don't know if I can do it anymore. Like, the travel is really hard right now with the three kids. Mm. How often do you travel? Well, I haven't traveled this week. Um, but typically, I travel probably three, four times a month. And to me, wow. that's a lot. There's a lot of uh, men and women that do that for sales or whatever they're in, whatever profession they're in. But it's a lot with three kids, and Charlie works full time as well, so it's a juggle. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you guys know there there's a lot of moving parts. But it I get to work with runners pretty much 99 percent of my life, and as you guys know, it's just it's inspiring and it's so fun to be able to help them or to share their stories, and so I can't complain. How about you guys, though? You're you're all over. Like, I was looking at where you've been and where you're going on your website. Like, so fun that you guys get to travel a lot, too. Actually, next week, we're going to load up our kids and take our camper and uh, head west. And we're going to be on the road for about two months living in our camper and running races. So. <laughs> I am so jealous. Oh, my gosh. So is it a camper or an RV? It's a travel trailer, yeah. We'll tow it behind our Suburban. This will be our third time doing this. We did it last year. We drove all the way to Alaska from Pennsylvania and back. That was uh, that was pretty nuts. You know, I was like nine thousand <laughs> miles. So Do, I have got to get going and start listening. So the thing is, I'm a podcaster. I don't know about you guys, but do you get to listen to podcasts? Because I don't. <laughs> I can't listen. I can't. I don't watch the news anymore. Like I am living in a bubble, and so I I need to just get outside and turn you guys on every single time I go for a run so I can kind of hear about all your adventures. Yeah, I don't listen to as many podcasts as I'd like. And you drop a show like every week, don't you? Yeah. That's a lot of work. I mean, we know firsthand how keeping up a show consistently week after week, dropping on the same day, it is a lot of work. How many athletes do you have, though? How many are you coaching? I have to look, but we have we have nine coaches on the team right mm-hmm. now. It would start out with Angie. Yeah. She had like 50 clients and I was like, nope, I can't do this. Yeah, I was ready. To ha- I loved it. You know, I loved working with everyone, but I was being spread too thin. I'm like, oh. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown here. Like you were saying, See? I'm like Googling week long silent retreat, you know, right. 
<laughs> but you didn't have time to go away for a week because then you'd have twice the amount of work to come back to. Exactly. And so it was actually good to kind of almost come to that breaking point because then I realized I can't do this alone. And we started uh-huh. to bring on other coaches to the team and it's been so wonderful. So maybe going back to the time management idea here is that what in life you know, is causing the most stress, most pressure. Maybe behind that is a secret opportunity. There's a good book called um, Your Next Big Leap by a guy named Gay Hendricks. And he talks about um, usually behind whatever area of life that's causing us the most stress and that we're worried about the most, usually there's like a secret opportunity behind that to uh, unlock, you know, the next level of productivity, the next level of greatness in one's life. And I think that carries over to running as well. You know, maybe you have a bad long run or you don't hit your times with your speed workout or you have a race where things fall apart. You know, obviously no one wants to go through that and that's tough on our, you know, physically and mentally and emotionally. But if you can kind of use that adversity to kind of figure out what maybe went wrong, it can help you in the future. It can help you become a stronger runner, help you become a stronger person. So yeah. yeah, and I think the secret is that no one can do it alone. You know, you have to prioritize, you have to find people who are going to be on your team and cheer you on because you have to have help to be able to accomplish everything. You know, for me too, I don't know about you guys, but maybe you're solo runners. I need people to meet me for runs or that's maybe why the 20 minute run happens a lot. Cause if they can't meet me, then I'm just going to hammer quick and get it done. But <laughs> I, I need that help in life. You know, like I like having people surround me and even I was joking with you, Trevor, this morning, I'm like, I need an assistant for my life. <laughs> um, just because I feel like I I'm so used to being on teams and I'm so used to being coached. So many people think that you do this on your own, you do this on your own, but I feel like I've had my hand held for much of my life and I like Mm. holding people's hand through life and I'm okay with that, you know. It's been interesting. Just last year we bought a new house and, you know, you're asking like what drives you or what is it that um, makes us want to be so busy or, you know, what stresses me out and we bought a new house and I'm this runner and I'm kind of figuring out that I chase goals for my entire life and I want to do this. I want to be a goal chaser, but I am also really hard on myself and because I made so much money last year, I don't want to always be thinking about money, but you kind of like feel like, oh, what did I do wrong being somebody that, you know, it lives gig to gig to gig. It's kind of like, oh, was I not needed? Did not somebody didn't want me to speak? That contract went away because I'm getting old. It's always performance based in my life, and that that rides on me. You know, like I love yeah. being a performer, but when somebody doesn't want to sponsor you anymore, or when somebody's not listening to you anymore, it kind of hurts. So I think that yeah. is scary, like scary financially, scary just like emotionally and you know I I don't want to be that that person that says oh I need people to lift me up all the time but I sort of need people to lift me up all the time (laughs) (laughs) you definitely need people in your corner and you know telling you that you are enough no matter if like you said opportunities are are not there that you want to be there or you you know get negative feedback or Mm -hmm. you know the internet can be very cruel (laughs) I can so it's very important to not base your whole identity on the approval of people or your race times or a number on the scale or any of those factors because it's going to let you down sometimes and as a person you're more than that and you have so much more to offer so I think yeah it can be challenging to keep that correct perspective yeah and you should become a motivational speaker I know right there's so many hats you can wear (laughs) I'm like the classic introvert who large groups of people stress me out so oh my gosh she's she's gonna say don't give me any more work you know you know what my secret is Carrie I'll come up with a, a good idea and then I'll just delegate it to her. And she's so type A <laughs> she that she gets it, it happen. done. Isn't that great? So it makes me look good. I know. I'm an ideas girl too. I need to call you more, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just had um, Alexi Pappas on the show. Yeah, I listened to she, it. It was awesome. Yeah, she's a sweet gal. And she said something that I, I really like. She said, um, be as kind to yourself as you are hard on yourself. She is so fun. She has such a great, you know, there are times when it's not easy for her and she's got Mm -hmm. to kind of always be on, right? And I just love that girl. She's got such a great future, whether it's running or not. For sure. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this conversation thus far. Quick break to thank our episode sponsor, Soar Running. They're a London-based company founded by fashion designer Tim Soar. 
and they make performance-led running clothes that help you go faster, more comfortably, and with more protection from the environment. I have a pair of their running shorts now. They are extremely, well, first of all, extremely you know fashionable because they're designed by this guy, Tim Soar, who knows what he's doing. But they're also really lightweight. But as I'm running down the road, I have to keep looking down to make sure I have clothes on still. <laughs> Did I forget my shorts? <laughs> you ever have a running naked nightmare, Angie? Never have, no. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that what you want? You don't want to think about your clothes when you're out there running, right? Exactly. The less you think about what you're wearing, the better. You can find out more about sore running and view the entire range from impossibly lightweight racing kit to cutting-edge hot weather wear and the most protective wet and cold weather garments on the market at SoarRunning.com. Soar Running is offering new customers a 10% savings on their first purchase. You simply head over to SoarRunning.com, that's S-O-A-R, Running.com, and sign up to receive your 10% savings code, SoarRunning.com, to save 10%. You've had a lot of amazing guests and continue to have a lot of amazing guests on your show. And you were friends with uh, with Gabe Grunwald, mm-hmm. who uh, at the time of this recording just passed away recently. Uh, so we wanted to ask you, like, what was your relationship with her like? Oh, you know, Gabe was amazing. I think she showed everybody what she truly was like. Um, yeah. You know, just when you look now back at her videos or interviews or... Um, you see her mission in life. That's just what she portrayed. And you know, I think she carried a lot of that, you know, fear maybe that um, of what was going to happen to her. And there, she has a really tight group of friends. They, a lot mm. of them were gopher runners and um, some of Justin's friends and her family. And I think she let those people in. And I think we were pretty good friends, but she really didn't want to talk too much about that. Even with me, she'll just, she just wow. would say, you know, I accept your prayers and she'd give big hugs and, but we want, she wanted to talk about fun things, the kids and running and all that stuff. But we got to go last fall. We spent some time in New York. We went to a Broadway show and she loved music. She loved to dance and sing. And, you know, she obviously loved the run, but she has left such a legacy and impact mm-hmm. Not only in the running world, but I think throughout the country and Europe and overseas, I think she's just going to be someone that we talk about for a lifetime because of her her work and her her bravery, which she says, you know, be brave like Gabe. So I'm I'm sad and it's been a tough week. Um, But now that I think that we know that she's at peace and her work will continue, I think that was what was so neat you know, within 48 hours of her passing, just to see how people have come together. And I just think if we can continue on with her, her message and her, uh, her outlook on life, we'll all be okay. Yeah. And like you said, you know, the tagline brave like Gabe, it doesn't mean that she didn't have fear and uncertainty about the future. But I think bravery is, is having all that and facing your own mortality and being able to go on courageously and inspire others. And she's definitely touched a lot of lives. And like you said, she'll continue to touch lives just from, you know, everything that she went through and her foundation and so yeah it's you just really... think of how fast she was i mean i think people forget she ran 401 for the 1500 meters <laughs> and you know like 842 or something like that i don't have it right in front of me for the 3k and sub 1520 1519 i believe for the 5k and she was she had this you know even though there was a moment where she was quote unquote in remission she still had this and it was heavy on her all the time and uh, one of my favorite YouTube ch- videos with her, we were cooking one of her favorite meals at the time. I don't know if it was so much at the end, but uh, it was Justin's steak salad. And we were at my mom and dad's brand new condo, so the kitchen looked all nice. <laughs> and we started the pan. We got the pan all nice and hot because that's what you know everyone tells us to do with, the, with steak. And we put it on. <laughs> we kept it on a little too long. It was so hard (laughs) and we it smoked so much that we almost set off the fire alarms (laughs) um we could barely chew it and yet the video comes out as if we did it just perfectly (laughs) and that was one of my favorite moments with Gabe because we were talking about her cancer and it was sad and it was hard but we laughed the entire day and that's just how she lived her life with that big smile so even though it's hard for me to talk about her I just can't help but have fun thinking about the memories we had together. She had a contagious smile, that's for sure. Oh, have you guys seen some of those clips where she comes from behind and yeah, kicks? She had an amazing finisher kick. Oh, <laughs> she was like the best closer I've mm. ever seen. I used to talk about Shane Culpepper, and she had a really good kick too. 
But I think that Gabe would have tested Shane. I think that would have been a fun duo because those two could unleash it. And uh, Gabe was one that you just kind of were like, is she going to do it? And sure enough, she'd do it. (laughs) So I just always envision now just seeing that, and I'm a Christian. And so for those of you who are Christian, I just think that's what she did when she got to heaven was probably didn't really know if she should commit to getting there, you know, yet. And then when she did, it was like, I can't wait to get to the finish line. And yeah, I just love that thought. Raising her arms in the air as she entered heaven. (laughs) Exactly. It's just, I'm just going to think that way, you know, until I go up there, I asked Justin in my, one of my final texts, I said, I hope that she'll take me on my first run in heaven. So Mm. that's awesome. Lots of things to look forward to. For sure. As far as podcast guest, Gabe was on your show. Yeah, quite a few times, actually. That's yeah. awesome. And some of the other guests that you've had uh, through the years that you've really enjoyed getting to know. You know, I get a lot of the elite athletes because I think, you know, we talked about this early on. The podcast for me started off, too, where it was great for me to get the information um, and the stories so I could go and do my NBC, ESPN, USATF.TV commentary type things. And So I do get a lot of the elite athletes, and I have access to them a little bit more so than some people. Now there's a lot more access than when I first started. But I would have to say, I mean, I've done interviews with our mayors. Um, I've done interviews with people that are authors. I've done interviews with celebrities. And I just think everyone has an interesting story. And it doesn't have to be that your legs go faster than the next person. Mm -hmm. I really could care less about that. It's just that you're excited about getting after life because getting after it is my, get after it's my saying. So yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed all of them. But I think the the heavy hitters that keep coming back, Meb, Kara, Shalane, um, Gabe obviously did. Uh, those are the big names in the sport, but they're also just such great people. Steph Bruce, I mean, Gwen Jorgensen, I could just go through all of those big names and I feel like they're big names, but they're also just kind people and they're good friends of mine. So it's been an honor to be able to share that with people. When are you going to have Elliot Kipchoge? I know. I keep thinking of that. I'm like, maybe I should. I just, I feel like he's probably bothered so much by media that I don't, I want to make sure that I meet him in person and I haven't done a broadcast with him yet. So mm-hmm. once I meet him in person and people get to know me, then I'm like, okay, now I can ask. Yes. And maybe that's yeah. not the, you know, hard, true reporter that I'm supposed to be, um, where I give people the space. But as an athlete, I want people to know that I respect their space and- mm-hmm. I don't want to do that to them where they feel like, oh, it's Carrie calling again, just because they are sort of friends with me in that elite world. So I try really hard to give them their space, but also to let their voice be heard when they want it to be. Wouldn't that be a dream interview, though? The fastest man ever yes. in a marathon? And I know that he's a class act of a guy, you know? Yeah. He talks about how the mind game is so important and... I really think that a lot of athletes are starting to get it, that we really do have to train our brain. But when you hear the fastest man ever say that, that that's really what is so powerful with him, I just think that's neat. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. How about you guys? Who do you want on next? You know, when we first started podcasting, I wasn't sure, you know, how we were going to get good guests. And Mm -hmm. I just started cold emailing people. And we didn't Mm -hmm. have a name. You know, we're just two, like, average, everyday, middle-of-the-pack runners, too. So Sitting at home, (laughs) yeah, at our kitchen table with a a microphone. So the first celebrity, Uh quote-unquote, like, in the running world that we had was Bart Yasso. Oh, yeah. But just a super great guy, like, perfect guy to be our first guest because we were so nervous. And we had technical difficulties. Yeah, like, like it kept crashing. (laughs) And... And he didn't care. He's just such a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. We've had some great guests, but who would we like to have? Kipchoge would be an amazing guy to talk to. Um, Mo Farah would be a fun guy to interview. You know, not an elite runner, but a celebrity. uh, Kevin Hart is a long-distance runner. You know, I think it is it is hard to, to reach out to those people and to, to kind of say, like, running is such an important thing. And so many people do it. And now I feel like with even Gabe crossing over with Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know, they realize that this sport is pretty amazing. And, you know, now Chip's doing marathons and half marathons. He has his own race. I just have a funny feeling there'll be a lot of celebrities that are getting the bug a little bit more so than just going to New York City, which is amazing, or Chicago. You get a few here and there. But 
you know, it's just such a great sport, like even just to stay so fit and not have to have a lot of equipment and things like that. Hopefully it'll keep continuing to grow. I think so. I've talked to some people in the industry. It has kind of leveled off from what I've heard since it peaked in 2014 as far as participation for half and full marathons. And they say that part of the reason is not as many people are doing marathons because they are doing uh, obstacle course races. And trail racing, you know, is is getting so much bigger, um, ultra racing. So there's just more options. Right, right. So it's a good thing, actually, because it's more accessible to a greater number of people. Even a person who may feel intimidated about taking on a half or full marathon at this point, you know, a person doesn't have to ever have that goal necessarily to be active in the running world and, you know, to have great experiences. Yeah, the numbers I have are just for the U.S. You know, I don't know what the numbers are worldwide. I mean, the running community in England is huge, and over 43,000 people ran the London Marathon this year, 2019, and there were over 400,000 people that applied to get in. Isn't that that nuts? And you guys ran it, didn't you? Yeah, it was amazing. It definitely lives up to the hype. (laughs) Everyone should drop what they're doing. And go run the London Marathon. (laughs) So the Brighton Marathon is not far from London. It's like an hour or something. And Tim Hutchings, who I do a lot of broadcasts with, he is one of the race directors. And he said it's absolutely gorgeous. So a little shout out. Like if you can't get to London and do the marathon there, go to the Brighton Marathon, which is right around the same time. It's not long before the Boston Marathon. So he says it's a great race and it's beautiful and it's a great yeah. destination. And that's a great point is that there's obviously the big name races, you know, the marathon majors and the, the ones that have tens of thousands of runners. But there are so many great um, hometown races and smaller marathons that are just as inspiring and draw some amazing people. So they shouldn't be underestimated either. I think personally, some of the smaller races are my favorite just because I get overwhelmed in crowds and logistics are so much more stressful um, to the big events. So, you know, for a person who's thinking about doing their first half marathon or first full marathon, picking a a smaller to mid-sized race as opposed to one of the the big ones that you always hear about might be a wise strategy just because it decreases your stress a bit and you already have a lot of nerves and, and everything is so new going into one of those races that, you know, anything you can do to help yourself um, be calmer and mm-hmm. less frantic is always a good thing. Exactly. I like kind of not having to think. Well, maybe we should conclude here with how about top pick for a, a small race that you guys have enjoyed? Could be a half marathon or a marathon since Angie was talking about how obviously people want to get in the majors. The majors are amazing. But, you know, try some of these smaller races. So top pick or top two if you can't decide on just one. Angie, you want to go? Okay. Well, I'm blanking here. Like, "Hmm, what marathons have I done? I don't even remember. (laughs) Have you guys been to Minnesota? We have. Yeah, we did Grandma's Marathon last year. Oh, last year? Shoot. (laughs) Okay. Trevor was on Kid Duty. um, Were you there? I was. I always do the radio commentary there. Oh, how neat. That's so fun. But that would be one of mine. If we're going to say smaller, it's still a big race. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But that one is one of my favorites. I love going to the North Shore. It's so pretty. If people haven't been to Duluth, they'll fall in love with it. It feels kind of like mountain town, um, at least Mm -hmm. for us here in Minnesota, (laughs) because we don't have big mountains anywhere. But it's just such an outdoorsy type of town. And then again, it's just like that small town feel where you can ask anybody where you need to go and everything's right there. That's one of my favorite smaller marathons, if you can say, is it 18,000 or something like that over the race week and there's so many runners there, but I still love it. Yeah, They put on a fabulous race for sure. So Angie, how about you? Well, one of my favorites is in Oregon, near Portland. It's called the Foot Traffic Flat Marathon. It's actually run on a small island. And it's just gorgeous. You see the water. It was a really sunny day the day I did it. And everything was just coming together for me. Probably that's why I have great memories of it. I qualified for Boston running it. And then across the finish line, it's just this great kind of small town atmosphere. And they had this amazing fruit stand nearby. And I remember buying strawberries and blueberries and raspberries and just like gorging myself on them. You know, <laughs> I'm always so hungry after a marathon. I just really connect like great food with races. <laughs> so yes. it all kind of comes together in my mind as, as an amazing event for sure. That is why I run. I know a lot of people say you shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, and because I have a healthy relationship with food, I can say it. But I yes. swear I run so I can eat more. And so if there's going to be something at the end of a marathon that I just love, I will travel. Yes. 
And that sounds lovely. Food tastes so much better after you run. That's, I think that's got to be some kind of proven fact. That's right. <laughs> it heightens I your senses. You. <laughs> so yeah, that was a great one. Last year, I did the Loch Ness Marathon in Scotland. Um, and that was really amazing. Just gorgeous scenery run around Loch Ness, the big lake there. That was another amazing one that I really enjoyed. Trevor, how about you? You know, there's this race with a really cool vibe. It's in Tupelo, Mississippi, called the Tupelo Marathon. Tupelo is where Elvis Presley grew up. I was wondering, I'm like, how do I know Tupelo? Yeah, and the marathon is in September. They also have a half, so it's really hot. So they start at like 5 in the morning, and it's just hot and miserable and hilly, and they realize that it is, so they just embrace it. And the medals and the T-shirts and all of their branding has like skulls and crossbones. (laughs) (laughs) And... The tagline is trample the weak, hurdle the dead. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. It has like a real loyal following. Like people show up and do this race every year. I, I used to do it just for the t-shirt. <laughs> and they have great, ah. great barbecue afterward too. Really great oh, yeah. metal. So there's a lot of nice yeah. uh, additions to that race. It's like we m- remember all of our races based on the food. That- <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I'm totally. <not> sorry. <laughs> I had the moose in Switzerland after Zurich every year. The um, Not like the actual moose, like chocolate moose. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that I remember I would, would bring me back to Switzerland every year. Stockholm had the best food. It was just, that's always what I was like. I'm going back to this hotel because this is where they feed the athletes well. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. So, I know. Well, it's been great hanging out with you on air, uh, Carrie. And for our listeners, and if they want to subscribe to your podcast and see what you're up to, where can we send them? Just to see tallyron.com or to any of my personal channels, which is Carrie Tullifson too. But I just think it's been fun to follow you guys. You guys are doing a great job and it's fun to see the dynamic you two have for each other, but also for your athletes. So thanks for what you're doing for the running world. Well, thank you. All right. Well, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Carrie Tullifson. Big thanks to Carrie for collaborating with us. It is really nice to meet fellow podcasters and kind of talk shop a little bit and hear about their love for the sport and their enthusiasm for connecting with people via podcast. Some really wonderful shows out there. And uh, you guys be sure to check out See Tolly Run. Well, now it's time for this episode's quick tip. We have a question about how long you should stick with a running partner during a race because, you know, it could be kind of awkward when you have to let someone go or you want to run faster than your partner and how do you have that conversation without hurting feelings. So before we get into this delicate balance here of what to do in that situation, we have a sponsor to thank. We are so excited to have On Running as a sponsor of the podcast. These shoes are awesome. Angie, you just ran a 50K wearing Ons, so... Yeah, the two pairs of shoes that I brought for running this summer are both Ons. The entire company is based around the idea of zero-gravity running, and On has quickly become the fastest-growing running brand in the world, and they are Swiss-engineered, so they're high-quality shoes. I wore the On Cloud Swift for the Charlevoix Marathon, and then I wore the On Cloud Ventures for my 50K, as well as a lot of hiking we've been doing lately. Because one's a road shoe and one's a trail shoe. That's right. And I have to say that my feet have not hurt towards the end of races, which definitely shows that they are well-designed. And they have a full range of shoes and apparel to power your full day on and off the road or trail. So you can try a pair of Ons for yourself for 30 days and put them to the test. That means you can actually run in them before you decide to keep them. And if you're not convinced, you can actually send them back for a full refund. All you got to do is head to on dash running.com forward slash mta that's on dash running.com forward slash mta and we'd also like to thank tiger balm active for sponsoring this episode we all know that working out running hiking all those good things are so rewarding but for most of us sometimes we have muscle aches and pains afterward and thankfully you don't have to suffer anymore with that discomfort when you use tiger balm active pre and post workout i've especially used tiger balm active surrounding strength training workouts when i tend to get most sore as well as after intense races or trail runs and you can feel it go to work right away they have the tiger balm muscle rub which is a non-greasy warming solution and gets your sore muscles ready to go and then post-workout, they have Tiger Balm Active's Muscle Gel, and it's perfect for your cool down. They also have the Tiger Balm Active Muscle Spray. It helps you target those hard-to-reach places, and it is great to throw in your gym bag for on-the-go. 
So be ready for whatever workouts throw your way with Tiger Balm Active. You can pick up all of their three amazing products at your local CVS or Rite Aid store. So one thing Carrie mentioned was she likes to meet up with people and I'm sure it's pretty hard to find people who can run as fast as she can. So what if you're like Carrie and you enjoy running with other people, but you're either faster or slower than they are. And then during a race, you know, if you care about finishing at a certain time, you have to have this awkward conversation, right? There's this interesting dilemma, as Peter calls it, who wrote us with a question about whether or not to stick with a running partner during a race. Yeah, we got this great question from Peter. He says, interesting dilemma we all face, whether to stick with a partner when they tell us to go on. Usually I will go on unless there's an injury or health issue involved. Angie and Trevor, can you address this on a future episode? So if you've ever done a long run or race with a friend, a family member, or a training partner, this is maybe an issue that you've come across. Uh, I've heard that relationships have been damaged by two people being on different pages when it comes to running together. So we're going to give you some things to think about and talk through with your running partner before you decide to do a race with them. And by with them, I mean to stick with them 100% of the time. We're hoping to save a lot of friendships out there, right? <laughs> That's right. So the first thing is to think about your goals. Both of you should talk about your goals for the race beforehand. If one person is out there to have fun and to hit up every extra food and beer stop and you're gunning for a PR, then it won't be a good match. Decide in advance whether you'll stick together the whole race. For some runners, it'd be very upsetting to slow someone down and they'd rather the other person go on without them. For others, it might be the ultimate betrayal to be left behind, so be sure you're on the same page with this. If you don't have compatible goals for the race or one person isn't willing to modify their goals, then it's not a good fit to run together during the race. That sounds like the difference between me and you. One is gunning for a PR and the other one's stopping at every extra food stop. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, it kind of reminds me of when we ran together for your first marathon back in 2011. It was obviously the first time we'd ever run that far together before. I think we'd done one shorter race together, maybe a 15K. We did have some slight experience, but the first marathon is special. You really don't know how the other person is going to react to it. Obviously, the goal was to have you successfully complete your first marathon, but things went a little bit off the rails after that. <laughs> Well, the problem was we had talked about a strategy that we would just walk through the aid stations and allow ourselves 40 seconds, I think. It was something ridiculous. And that worked at first, but then as the miles grew, it was harder for me to limit my, my stops to 40 seconds. So pretty soon it was one minute and a minute and a half, and you were like counting down the seconds. <laughs> like, okay, it's time to run now. And he's just like milking every second. <laughs> Yeah. I ended up finishing that in 431 and you were already a sub four hour marathoner by that time. Right. It all worked out. It did. So another thing to keep in mind is safety. So I would say never leave a running partner behind or alone who is in true medical distress. So potentially serious medical distress could include things like chest pain, difficulty breathing, dizziness, signs of dehydration, vomiting, slurred speech, and confusion. Any of those things could be a medical emergency. So make sure you don't leave a person like that alone. Um, even if they tell you to go on, be sure at least get them to an, an aid station or a medical station where they can get assistance. The third thing to think about is practice. It's best to have done a long run or two with a potential race partner before you commit to sticking with them for a whole race. You want to make sure that your paces are compatible and also that your personalities are compatible. If your paces aren't the same and you're the faster runner, make sure that you're fully committed to slowing down and not getting impatient about it. That's probably where my mistake was during Trevor's first marathon. <laughs> Realize that your words of, quote, encouragement might not go over well if the other person is tired and struggling. Some runners like to keep up a steady stream of conversation while that might get on the other person's nerves. So you really have to think through things like that. The fourth thing to think about is strategy. If you're planning on sticking together the whole time, so you've thought about the previous things that we've talked about, plan in advance what you'll do in the following situation. The first situation is bathroom stops. Um, you know, what if a person has to make multiple bathroom stops? You know, are they going to expect you to wait for them the whole time? Are they going to catch up with you? You know, these are good things to think through. Uh, what's your strategy going to be going through aid stations? Like Trevor and I talked about, some people like to walk through aid stations. Some people like to keep running. So you really need to talk about that. Um, if you're going to walk through aid stations, how long are you going to walk through aid stations? Who decides when you start running again? Those are all you know issues that might come up. The third thing is what you'll do on hills. 
For some people, it would be admitting defeat to stop running on a hill. For other people, they like to walk all the hills. Um, another thing to think about is what pace range you want to maintain. If the person has done marathons before and they traditionally run the first half really fast and then tend to slow down the second half, that's a good thing to know because it will affect your strategy for the race as well. Another issue to think about is how to proceed if you get separated. This might be an issue, especially in larger races, where if you lose sight of someone, even for a few seconds, it's really challenging to find them in the crowd again. Some races are so big and so congested, I don't see how two people can run together short of being handcuffed together. <laughs> like we saw people in the London Marathon, which is known for its costumed runners, people that were linked together in various ways. But have you ever been in a race and you've come up upon like four friends running together and they form a wall? <laughs> yes. And... <laughs> or even three. Yeah. Hogging the whole lane. That's a great point. So if you're running with a group of people or even another person, be mindful of how wide the course is and that you might need to go single file, especially in more congested areas. So that's definitely a great point. I remember doing the Marine Corps Marathon one year with my sister, Autumn, and we had talked through strategy. I was basically just going to run her pace and we were just going to enjoy the race together. One great thing that she did was she wore a really bright shirt. So it was easy to locate in a crowd because that's a fairly big marathon. We did probably run single file. I was probably a little bit ahead of her most of the time, but I remember looking back a lot just to make sure that she was still on site. <laughs> And a final thing you might want to think through is how you want to cross the finish line. Maybe some people want to cross uh, together arm in arm, kind of like, hey, this is a victory. We did this. We'll get these great finish line pictures with our arms both raised. Maybe the other person is thinking, you're going to sprint it out of the finish line and leave the other person in the dust. And that might cause some hard feelings. So definitely a lot of different issues that you might not think about when you, when you commit to run a race with someone. So if I was in the situation of Peter and my running partner told me to go on, I would just do it. They said, go on. I think most people will be cool with that. Yeah, I guess the point is, if you're doing a race together, be really honest. If you don't want them to leave you, <laughs> say, don't leave me. Um, but if you really do want them to go on, uh, then then tell them to go on, because I think most runners were just going to take you at your word. You know, unless there's a serious injury or health issue involved. Personally, I would hate to hold somebody back. And I think I would have a better race experience knowing that they were able to go on and have a strong race, even if I was struggling. All right. So I hope that helps. Thank you for the question, Peter. And if you want to send us a message, of course, we have a contact form on our website, MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. I always love hearing from you. So big thanks to you guys for listening to the show. And as always, remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life.